Welcome to the Every People's Podcast, where we share our stories family style. Here on the show, we dish out Christ and culture as a taste of the Every People's Worship in Revelation 7. I'm your host, Tom Sugimura, and our guest today is Johnson Pang. Johnson has served at New Life Church as our greenhouse church planting coordinator. He is currently on a writing sabbatical to finish his PhD dissertation. Johnson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Uh, Well, because this is what you're doing right now, let's talk first about your dissertation. What's your topic? What are you writing on? So my topic is uh, generally conceived it's glory in the Gospel of John. Mm. Um, In particular, I'm asking the question, what in the world is Jesus talking about? in John 17, 22. So in John 17, um, you know, we, we know it properly as Jesus' high priestly prayer. Mm-hmm. It's like the longest prayer we have by Jesus. He's praying for his disciples and he's actually praying for, um, for us. Mm-hmm. So in John 17, 20, he says, I'm praying for all those who would believe through the disciples. Like believers today. Yeah, so he's actually praying directly for us. And mm-hmm. so it's fascinating to see, we, we get a glimpse into what he's praying for. And he says in John 17, 22, Father, the glory you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, you and I, and then, and then he talks about different kinds of unities, like the Father in the Son, and then the, the Father and the Son in us, that we may become perfectly one. So he talks about glory given for unity, mm. and then he says that the world may know that you sent me and love me just as I have, and love them just as you've loved me. So glory is given for unity, which is given for mission. And, mm. and a lot of people like to cite this verse because it talks about church unity mm-hmm. and how important church unity is. But Jesus actually says in 1722, I've given them glory so that they can be unified. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's puzzling because what in the world is he talking about? What, what does it mean that Jesus has given us glory? Yeah. So that's, that's really the, the, what I'm investigating, like what I'm focused okay. on. Did you find the answer? Uh, well, I'm still uh, I'm still writing and thinking. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm I'm wrapping a few chapters up, but um, but yeah, it's been such it's been so fascinating because uh, it's it's about the glory of Jesus Himself mm-hmm. and what what that is, and then what it means that He's given us His glory and yeah. how that should lead to church unity and and our mission and mission as well. So so, so if if I'm a, a believer and I'm trying to figure out what John 17 is talking about. How does it change my life? How does it? How should I live if what you're saying is true? Yeah, it's um, well. First of all, I, I do think you know Jesus is praying that his followers would be unified. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a really like oh, well, what does God want for our lives? Well, let's look at what Jesus prays for us about, and he's praying for unity. Yeah. And 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 to say that well, we need to have this glory to have this unity. I think it's important then. Like, how can we ever really achieve this unity if we don't understand what he's given mm. so that we can have that unity? Wow. Okay. Um, so it, it, it's, been, it's been really life-giving for me because um, I think God has just used the study of this passage and of glory in the gospel to ground me, give me life, especially through difficult circumstances. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, in short, if I were to give you a nutshell, like, what does it mean that Jesus has given us glory? Um, well, we have to first look at the glory of Jesus. Because he says, Father, the glory you have given me, mm. I have given to them. And the glory of Jesus is found in John 1.14. Right? Mm. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So I think the glory of Jesus is actually referring to the glory of Yahweh himself. Wow. It's referring okay. back to Exodus 34, 6, yeah. where the Lord hides Moses in the cleft of a rock and proclaims mm. the Lord, the Lord, gracious and merciful, slow yeah. to anger, abounding in you know, steadfast love and faithfulness. Okay. And I think full of grace and truth, and, and scholars are essentially in, in consensus that it ref, full of grace and truth in John 1, 14 is referring back to abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness in, okay. John, in Exodus 34, 6. So, yeah. So the covenant promises are carried into, or, or, into yeah, Christ's it's the ministry. character of God yeah. that God shows to Moses, okay. and and John is saying we've seen that character wow. in Jesus. Yeah. So what is predicated of God mm. in the Old Testament is now yeah. predicated of Jesus. Therefore, He is God. But actually, John is saying more than that. John is saying it's not just that Jesus is God, mm. but that Jesus shows us who God is. So a lot of times we like to approach New Testament, and especially as we talk with other people who try to deny that Jesus is God. Oh, does the New Testament really teach that Jesus is God? John is saying much more than just Jesus is God. John is actually saying, you have a conception of what God is like, and Jesus has come and he, he blows that conception up. He's expanding our understanding of who God is. Wow. The God you worship in the Old Testament, he has an only begotten son. And he shows us who he's like. So it's, it's not just that the son has come to show us who he's like. Mm. It's that this God has a son. Yeah. So what does that mean? Yeah. So all of a sudden there's this Trinitarian, or, or some scholars say it's, it's, at this point it's just binitarian because it's two. Okay. The, this, the theology of the Holy Spirit isn't quite there yet right there. But yeah, it, it's, it's just amazing because wow. how do we know what God is like? We look to Jesus. Yeah. And that's what the glory of Jesus is. It's the radiance of God's character. Okay. And so I think that what Jesus has given us is partly related to that. So it's, we as the church can then share something. Yeah, Jesus in, has given us his yeah. glory, okay. that is the radiance of God's character, wow. um, in making us become children of God, right, by mm -hmm. his grace. Mm -hmm. And as we, so back to Jesus, how does he demonstrate that character? In the, in the Gospel of John, he does signs which show his glory. Okay, miracles. So only, the Gospel of John has a very select number of miracles, yeah. and he calls them signs. Okay. And John is very clear, like in John 2.11, this is the first of his signs, turning water, water into wine. Into wine. Right. The first of his signs that he did, and he manifested his glory. So, mm. so if you can think with me here, it's, it's the character of God shown, because Jesus didn't walk aglow, right. Right? Okay. radiating glory, but, but he shows his glory, shows us what God's like By his actions. in his miraculous actions. Yeah. And the climactic act of Jesus in the gospel and, and of his life right, is going to the cross. Mm. And all the synoptic gospels like Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about Jesus in terms of glory is going to come after suffering. Right? Yeah. Suffering leads okay. to glory. But the gospel of John is very different because John says that Jesus' suffering is glory. So the cross is the pinnacle of his glory. Uh, yeah, and the pinnacle of who God is. How, how do we know who God is? We wow. see through what Jesus did on the cross. Mm -hmm. He did it in an act of love. Mm -hmm. And in that act of love, he showed God's glory. So I think that corresponds to what Jesus has given us. Jesus has given us his character, his status as a son and daughter, right? As a, as a child of God, he's given that to us yeah. so that we can show in acts of love to one another God's character, and that leads to our unity, and that also leads to witness. Because as we love one another in the church, you know, John, John 13 says this, right? By this, people will know that you're my disciples, yeah. that you love one another. Oh, man. And so I think. Jesus is saying, when you have my glory and you demonstrate that glory in loving one another and you're unif unified, that reveals 
things about God. Mm. So if the world wants to know what God is like, they ought to be able to look at a loving church, yeah. loving one another, forgiving one another, bearing with one another's burdens, all the one another's, and they ought to be able to say, ah, that's what God is like. So the body of Christ carries on his mission. Yes, and shows the world yeah. what God is like. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I think I think there's lots of impact. Wow. So you're you, you're writing this, you're researching. How, how many hours a day are you are you doing on this? I mean, I, I'm right now. I'm full time. So I'm just treating my nine to five okay. as as this is I, your job. But I've been thinking about this since 2016 sure. when I submitted okay. this okay. this topic, and it's given a lot of life because essentially it's about who God is. Yeah. How do we know who God is? Okay. And uh, we know by looking at Jesus. Wow. And so right. when in trials, when we're tempted to to think that God is less than loving mm. or less than kind. Um, when we look at hard circumstances in our life and question, does God love us? Mm -hmm. I think I'm reminded, no, no, that's not what defines my view of who God is. Mm. I look to Jesus. Jesus yeah. tells me who God is. Wow. Um, okay. And that's, it's been tremendously life-giving. So I've told several people, even if I never finished a situation, I mean, yeah. I, Lord willing, hopefully I will. <laughs> but even if I never finish, I think God has already worked through it to mm -hmm. give me life and to give me such a, um, strengthening of faith that it's done its work. That's great. Yeah. Know, in in, in yeah. my heart and I think in the heart of my family and other people that we've ministered to. So, yeah, it's been a tremendous blessing to be Wonderful. able to study. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you've been studying Southern. Yes. Um, and biblical theology, is that the title of the degree? Yeah, it's, it's biblical studies, essentially. Oh, biblical yeah, studies. Okay. biblical theology. Is okay. So how would you explain that as, as you... And not everybody knows what that is. So how would you explain it in simple terms to the average Christian? Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know what biblical theology is, it's not just theology that's biblical. Mm. You know, oh, which, theology which from the Bible. Should be right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a separate discipline of study. Okay. So kind of so like... different than systematic or theology or practical yeah. theology. Yeah, just like theology. sociology is different than chemistry. Sure. Right? And, and not only is it a different uh, uh, group of, you know, uh, questions that people ask, but it's different methods used, mm. right? You use mm. certain methods in chemistry, you use certain methods in sociology. So same thing for, for theology, there's systematic theology. It asks a certain set of questions and a certain method by which you solve and, and get the answer. In biblical theology, you're, you're, taking, you're, you're, you're taking all the data of the Bible, so all the, all the study of the Bible that you would do, like in one verse, um, but you're actually trying to relate it all together mm. with the rest of the Bible. Okay. So I liken it like this, you know. Um, do you watch any crime dramas? Uh, here or there. Do you, yeah, do, do you watch, watch TV, Pastor? TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, but I read a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you, so, so a crime drama like CSI or something I, like that. I've seen CSI. Okay, yes, I've seen go. CSI, yes. So the idea is, you know, they, they come to the crime scene and, and this is what's intriguing as a watcher, right? right. You, you're seeing these details and you're seeing these detectives pick up these details and and they're trying to string together a narrative. Because they're entering into the middle of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they're trying to string to a together a narrative with these details that explains the whole thing, right? Yeah. Okay. And so you, you're kind of going along with them in the journey, and then sometimes they, they, they take you on this twist because mm. they're interviewing this person. It seems like this person's the, 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 the culprit, and you know, you know this other piece of evidence comes in and changes the whole story. Oh, yeah. But, but what they're after in those crime dramas are what's the story that these facts tell? Mm. You can't look at the facts yeah. alone. Right. You have to be able to have a coherent story that strings these facts together to make sense of it. Yeah. So biblical theology is that. It's, and it's every fact has to fit the story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So biblical theology is looking at the evidence of each individual verse and story in the Bible mm. and thinking what is the coherent story that relates all of this together, right? Mm. How does Leviticus and the law yeah. 
relate to um, the Proverbs? Okay. How does that relate to the New Testament? How does that relate to... So it, it takes all the kind of sometimes seemingly disconnected things in yeah. the Bible, yeah. and it's trying to hypothesize according okay. to the biblical evidence, okay. what's the best story that knits this all yeah. together? Um, and, and I love biblical theology because it helps you have a story, like a kind of a coherent story. Right. So you look at all the details, and you're like, oh, that's how it fits in. Mm. And, then, and then you start to see how Leviticus matters. Yeah. And then you can actually read Leviticus with, with an eager heart because sure. it will feed your soul sure. and it will show you more of Jesus Christ and, and more of this and more of that. And uh, So yeah, I love biblical theology and um, part of what I'm doing in my dissertation is trying to connect, well, what's John doing here with Exodus and Isaiah and the Old Testament? How does wow. this all fit in? Okay. And, and I think the more we do biblical theology, the more we understand all the different parts of the Bible, mm -hmm. but also the more we understand all the different parts of our life yeah. and how our life fits into God's story. Right. And, and I suspect that the people who look at maybe certain trials in their life or certain parts of their life that they, they don't really see how God connects with that. Um, they probably also don't see how the Bible connects together. Mm, you know, because yeah. as you start to see more and more how the details of the Bible come together, and it's actually one huge story that God is we're, telling. We're part of something bigger. Yes, yeah. and it's all coherent. Mm -hmm. God has a plan for all of it. And as we learn that, then we actually can see ourselves and how we fit into that story as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an amazing... Um, you know, it, it's strange because people in the church usually don't know about this mm -hmm. discipline, but we all do it. You know, we all try to have a, right. a story that fits it all together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, good. Good. Um, so you're you're seeking to serve the church. Um, do you want to do you want to serve the church as an academician, um, pastor? What's what's kind of your driving heart? Yeah, I, I went to seminary um, for missions, okay. so I, okay. I don't. You know, I. I wanted to go overseas and tell people about Jesus, and I realized if I were to do that, I better know my Bible. <laughs> if I'm going to go to people who don't know the Bible, then yeah. I'm really their only source, and Especially, I better know what I'm yeah. talking about. That's important. So that, that's what drove me to seminary, and I think um, in the process, God has given me opportunities to serve, um, like at CCAC and other places, mm -hmm. and I think God has really grown my heart to do pastoral ministry. Yeah. And so it kind of morphed into, yes, I want to go overseas and be a faithful pastor. Mm. And then as I grew, then I said, oh, like maybe a, a more strategic thing to do is to go overseas and train the pastors mm -hmm. so that they can be um, uh, trained, so that they can study the Bible. There's a multiplication and, there. Yes. Not just you, but also them. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Um, but I think, you know, right now God has us here in mm -hmm. the valley, and mm -hmm. we're probably going to be here for a little while, especially to help out with parents and things like that. Yeah. Um, we still want to go overseas one day, but... I think if I were to answer your question more shortly, it's I think God calls me to pastor mm. and to pastor wherever there's need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, being faithful is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Well, I've known you for a while, but only after you came to Christ. Yes. Um, after you became a follower of Christ, and um, how how did you come to Christ, and what changes have you seen, or did you see in your life after that that whole transformation? Yeah, I think my story is a gradual. Coming okay. to Christ, it wasn't. It did, you, wasn't did you grow up in the church? Yeah, I grew up at CCAC. Okay. Um, Community Christian Alliance. Grew up at CCAC, and I grew up, you know, wanna, you know, terrorizing people and being, you know, my <laughs> you that ADD kid. self. I was that kid <laughs> that they prayed for, that they wanted to not have in their ministries, probably. Um, and and so I grew up in church, but I knew probably junior high 
I, I knew because I, I saw my friends get serious about the faith, and I knew I wasn't serious about mm -hmm. the faith. So I, I knew that I didn't really believe. Um, in high school, there was a camp and a retreat that I gave myself to the Lord. I committed, and I, I truly do think I, you know, the Lord saved me at that time. But I was a really shallow Christian, mm -hmm. and um, still living in, a, in, a, in different kinds of sin and very more shallow understanding of the gospel. But I do remember wholeheartedly wanting to follow Jesus. Mm. Um, and so I, I think there's more like milestones along the way that God had really used to open my eyes to more of the gospel and mm. um, my sin and my need for Jesus. So I, I think I just, it's been more like a gradual growth since my conversion. Mm. Um, and so yeah, one of, one of the significant times I think was, uh, it was, uh, you know, the youth pastor at that time, or my pastor at that time, Joe Chu, mm -hmm. you know, he had us do a Bible study in Malachi. Wow. I remember we were in his living room and we were doing a Bible study in Malachi. With, uh, you were in high school at the time? I was in college. College, okay. So the, I, 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 you know, I think I was a Christian already, but yeah. this was a really important milestone that I remember. And, and I remember we were doing this Bible study in Malachi. Malachi 1 talks about these priests who are offering these animals to God. Mm. And as a priest, you're not supposed to offer the blind, the lame. You're supposed to offer the best of the flock. Yeah. And so these priests, they vow their best. And so, so Malachi says, cursed be the cheat who vows the male in his flock, right? But yet sacrifices what is blemished. Mm. And, um, and you know, God is like, will you, will you offer these to your governor? And yet you come to me with yeah. these blemished offerings. And, and I realized at that time, I think God really used that verse to grip me and show me the depth of my sin hmm. because I realized, wow, like, so these priests say they're giving their best and they actually give their worst, yeah. right? And here I am, I go to church all the time and we sing these songs, like, you're my all in all and, you know, Jesus, you're my king and, and we're declaring our devotion to God, but I go home and I give him my leftover time, my leftover energy, my leftover ambitions. I mean, yeah. everything was like, what am I giving God really? But I'm vowing my best. So I think right. Right. I, it was just so convicting because I realized that even where I thought I was at my like highest, yeah. I'm not praising God. Actually, I was at my lowest. I was a huge hypocrite. Wow. And so God really used that to convict me and show me, wow, I really do need Jesus. I mean, really. And um, I need him as my savior. So that, that was one, I think, important um, milestone. Mm. And another one was going on short-term missions. Okay. Yeah, so God really used going Where, where did you go the first time? Yeah, the first time I went was a, was a faraway place. Um, and you know, it wasn't like Mexico, it was actually Kyrgyzstan in, in Central Asia. <laughs> One of the stands, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. so uh, I remember uh, David Wong at that time. Um, you know, he's no longer alive now, but at that time he was really an encourager to, to people to do missions and mm. um, he said, hey, there's a group that's going to China. Um, they're all girls and they need a guy. Well, you wanna go? I'm like, no, I do not wanna go. <laughs> I don't wanna go on that trip. He's like, well, there's another trip that uh, they're going to Kyrgyzstan. Okay. About them. okay, okay, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll. so. I, and I wasn't very godly about it. I just had nothing to do that summer. Mm -hmm. and, and I couldn't think of a good reason to say no. But <laughs> I, so I thought, oh, I, better, I guess I better go. And I remember at the end of that trip, um, the, 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 the team leader at that time, uh, he asked, you know, we're a team of six, small, mm -hmm. group, small mm -hmm. team. He said, who of you can see yourself here long term? And uh, I didn't think I was being remarkable and saying yes. I just thought, oh, yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah. And I said yes, and everyone else said no. And I was like, why? Why? What? Like, I, I just thought, that's kind of strange. Why did God make me give me the temperament that he did and all these kinds of things? And why did I respond like this? Mm. And why did all my teammates respond yeah. else, you know, otherwise? And then I started learning more about missions, right? And there's such a great need overseas. 
And if there's such a great need overseas and I'm actually willing to go overseas and God made me that way, that I would respond like that, how can I not go then? Mm. Um, so God used that to really challenge me. And, and when I came back home, I went through PMS yeah. and um, post-mission syndrome. Yeah. And I started hating everything like middle class and up. I, I, I hated paved roads. I hated like, I, I thought people over here in America didn't really know how to follow Christ because I was on a spiritual high, you know, and sure, a mission sure. trip. And, I really wrestled through things, but really I think I wrestled through things because I noticed I lived with such purpose and such intensity on my short-term missions trip. Two weeks, mm -hmm. you know, when you get up in a foreign country like that, you know why you're there. And so I was ready to serve. I was ready to eat anything. I was ready to do anything because I'm like, okay, here my, I'm here to serve. Yeah. And I, and I noticed such a contrast between those two weeks and just my daily life at home. Mm. In my daily life at home, I just did what I wanted to do and mm -hmm. I planned what I wanted to do. And so God really challenged me, like what kind of, are you on the broad road or the narrow road and how you were living? Wow. You know, are you really living for yourself or living for the Lord? So God used that to challenge me as well. Like, you know, are you truly living for me? Hmm. Yeah. Or are you still seeking your own? How, how, do you, how do you talk? I mean, a lot of us have gone through something like that uh, where, where eyes are open and then we come back and, and we're trying to figure out how it works. How would you encourage somebody who's living in a posh, comfortable, first world country to live on mission on a daily basis? How would you encourage someone to do that? I mean, I do think God used that short-term missions trip to kind of jolt me okay. because, I don't, and I don't think that's necessary for every single person to mm -hmm. go through that, but that's definitely what God used me. He took me out of my context. And, and it's almost like, you know, like if you're fish in water, you don't know you're in water until you come out of it, right? right, so, right. so we don't know until you come out of it and then realize. Mm -hmm. And so God used that to open my eyes. I think I, think I would say, but, but that challenge would have been there whether I didn't go on missions or not. Sure. I needed to be challenged. Yeah. What are you really living for? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think we just need to be honest with ourselves. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you look at your motives and the choices you make, Maybe the school you go to or the job or the career you've chosen, the thing. Like, why do you make the choices you make every day? Being intentional. Is it, yeah. yeah. I mean, are you intentionally wanting to serve the Lord and obey the Lord? Or are you just choosing the things you like? Right. And then saying, well, it's not against the Lord, yeah. therefore it must be okay. But are you mm -hmm. fundamentally still living for the Lord? That's good. Because uh, Christianity is not about, like, what you don't do. Yeah. It's actually about who you're following, what, you're, what you are doing, right? So, um, yeah, I, I would encourage them not to define Christianity as a list of rules. Okay. And don't think that you're okay just because you're not doing the egregious, terrible sins. Mm, like, are you really living good. for the Lord? Yeah. Is he okay. the captain of your ship? Is he the one who's commanding your heart? Well, that's, that's convicting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in, in another way of living for the Lord is, is just thinking about with all the turmoil in our world these days. You, you've had the opportunity recently to serve as a pastor. Um, in our present-day context of disunity and people taking sides and factions and, and all kinds of crazy stuff going on in society, how do you shepherd people to live lives of Christian unity and to, to live lives of, uh, you know, even interacting with people who might disagree? How do, you, how, do you, how do you encourage that in the people that you minister to? I, I, I try to encourage that. I don't know if I do it very well. <laughs> uh, I think... Yeah, it's really sad, right? Like, there's just so much division. And actually, the, I guess the more we learn about history, that it's, there's always been mm -hmm. a lot of division, a lot of differences. Yeah. Just of, different of, issues. Yeah, yeah. We always tend to think we're, we're like in the worst age yeah. ever. But um, these are common problems, aren't they? I think, uh, I think that the, 
the answer is found in the gospel. Mm. Um, I think if we really are changed by the gospel, there ought to be a, you know, you know, in, in Ephesians four, you know, Ephesians one through three, Paul talks about the gospel and how the gospel has, you know, saved us and the, the great love of Jesus and the gospel. You know, at the end of Ephesians three, in Ephesians four, he he begins his application with saying, you know, how how humble we need to be, mm. how that ought to affect our our we need to be gentle, yeah. right? And, and so if we have truly been loved the way that Christ has loved us in the gospel, we, we ought to be the most charitable mm. and, and willing to listen, willing to hear kind of people yeah. in the world. Mm. And so I, I do think ultimately it's asking yourself, if, you, if you're responding to people with a harsh, spirit um, how do you feel like you know if God treated you the way you're treating the mm -hmm. people you're disagreeing with how, how would that go yeah you know yeah. is that how God treats you in the gospel in Christ and I think fundamentally the gospel has to change our hearts so that we see yeah I may disagree very fundamentally with other people but mm -hmm. I still ought to love them yeah. have compassion on them mm -hmm. and maybe if I was so wrong about my life prior to Christ, maybe I'm still wrong about certain things and I need to, I need to hear some people out and hear their yeah. perspectives. So yeah. I think we have a lot to learn from each other. That's good. Yeah. And um, even, for, even for Christians from non-Christians, mm. you know, we don't have everything right. right. A lot of social issues, we may need to listen well to our neighbors. Mm. Yeah. Um, we may have the answers from God. Mm -hmm in terms of salvation and eternal life and actually how to live life. But maybe if you listen to the perspective of your neighbor, you can actually better apply the gospel right. and better apply the Bible. Because yeah. um, people experience different things. I think that's what we've learned in the past good. few years. Like People that's experience good. life very differently. Yeah. Maybe based on our skin color, maybe based on our socioeconomic status. And, and you may think things have to be this way, but maybe when you listen to your brother or sister, you realize, oh, like... Yeah. It, it helps, I, like going back to the story. I mean, we're we're all part of the bigger story, but we yeah. all have our own individual, yes, you know, yes. part to play. Yes, yes. Yeah. So even even in, even in how some Christians are advocating, like, do we obey mask mandates or not obey mask mandates? Sometimes it makes me wonder for those who are advocating, no, we can't because government can't tell us what to do with our bodies. I'm like, how would you disciple people in China? Oh yeah, yeah. How would you disciple people in Singapore? And, and, and like we you? said, if it doesn't fit every single situation, right. then it's not really right. the, the way. Is, to go. is what you're saying even yeah. tenable in some of these other countries? Mm -hmm. are, are, are these people going to be in constant civil disobedience? Right. I mean, so so I'm not saying that their their principles may be wrong, but maybe the way that they're applying it needs to be thought about mm. in, in like how culturally bound are we? Right. We right, we are right. pretty culturally bound sometimes, and yeah. I, I just think we need humility to really listen and, and think about how this affects everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, and some. And we've both seen people leave certain churches during this time um, or come to certain churches during this time or even leave church altogether. Uh, what do you love about the church in this time when everybody is kind of hating the church in some level? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I love, I guess if I can summarize, I mean, there's lots, I mean, there's just, there's <laughs> Yeah, that's I a mean, big question. What, what are one or two things yeah, that you yeah, love yeah. about the church? Especially for our family, like we've, we've been loved so well by the church too because of our mm -hmm. circumstances. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I think if I can summarize, it would be 
I, what I love about the church is we, we kind of get a foretaste of heaven mm. at the church, but at the same time, what I love about the church is it reminds us we're not in heaven. So to, to kind of explain that, like the, we get a foretaste of, of heaven because we, we get to worship with people and be with people that we, to be frankly honest, we probably won't be friends with otherwise. You know, like they're just some, right. <laughs> like, it's a beautiful picture. You know, when I come to New Life, you see, mm. you see a very diverse crowd of people. Mm. And I'm not just talking about skin color, I'm talking about even the background. Age, age, Family and upbringing, and, and yeah, age. That's and, right. And these are people that you may not be friends with normally, mm -hmm. uh, apart from mm -hmm. that. Um, and, and what unites us together is the blood of Jesus yeah. and how he saved us. And, and because of that, we just have this bond that's, that's, that's more than family, right? Mm. And so, I, I, we've seen that in the past, you know, three years in our trials with Timmy and our son and things like that. So we, you know, people have loved on us and people who we didn't even know because we moved to Baltimore and mm -hmm. we didn't even know anybody. Yeah. But they were like, well, here's a brother in Christ who's in need mm -hmm. and we're going to open up our homes. We're going to serve him. We're going to, I mean, we experienced that kind of love. Yeah. Um, and so it is like a foretaste of heaven as we gather around to, to worship Jesus and to follow him together we are declaring together that he is worth more worth it than our lives itself. Sure, and, sure. Um, and, and it is like a foretaste of heaven. And, and, and then when you, when you realize these are my brothers and sisters, I have to forgive them. Mm -hmm. And have to, right? We have to. Yeah. Um, I have to learn how to love them because they're not always easily lovable, just like your real brothers and sisters. That's right. right? You, yeah. you, you're stuck with them. You can't get rid of them. <laughs> no, but, but your God says, well, you learn yeah. to love them. That's right. And I think there's a beauty there when we actually put in the work to do that. Mm. And um, so, yeah, so I, I, we spent three years in Baltimore, and by the end of that three years, we had a church family, a real That's family. That's great. You yeah. know, who else can have that? Yeah. I think only believers can have something like that. Yeah. There's something deeper that goes beyond just the surface yes. level similarities. Yeah. Because um, what unites us isn't politics. Right, right, right. right? It's, yeah. it's Jesus. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So, and then, but at the same time, you know, people will sin against you. It reminds you that you're not in heaven. Yeah, we're not in heaven. Yeah. And uh, there are imperfections and there's always, there's always something to complain about at church, uh -huh. whether leadership or whatever, like there's always something to complain about. So, yeah. so because we are all sinners, mm. we, we're not going to do things perfectly. So I think God has just taught us so much about that's why we need the gospel. Yeah. I mean, if, if, good. if he made us perfect already and brought us into community with other perfect people, then we don't need the gospel anymore. You wouldn't learn as much about grace if you yeah. didn't have imperfect yeah. people. Yeah. So I think just the fact that we aren't completely satisfied at the churches we are at because we're not perfect and something might be wrong in a relationship here or something might be you, you disagree with in a leadership decision there, but yeah. that's, that's why we need to learn to love one another mm. and bear with one another and, and to know that, well, we are all journeying there together, though. And it's often harder work to stay. Yeah. It's easy to leave sometimes. Right, yeah. right. Because you might get the illusion that, oh, I'll go where it's better. Mm -hmm. or, or these people don't talk about <laughs> Jesus the way that I like to talk about Jesus, yeah. so I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. Um, but there's going to be other issues. Oh, sure. Because we're not in heaven. Yeah. So I, and I think, because we're not perfect either. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> yeah. if, yeah, if you find a perfect church, <laughs> you'll ruin it by going there, right? That's, like right. that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Um, if, uh, if God grants you another 50 years of ministry, Lord willing, um, what do you hope are some of the things he'll accomplish through your life? Oh, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I haven't even lived 50 years. <laughs> That's a long time. I think... If, I mean, if, if, you, yeah. if you want to look back at the end of your life and say, I've served the yeah, Lord well, yeah. I've honored Him, what are some of the things you hope you could be able to say at the end of your life? Yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah, that's a good, that's, that's a good way to put it. I, 
you know, four years ago, if you asked me, I would have been like, you know, here, here's my mission in life. My mission is to say, go, go to Southeast Asia, and I want to, yeah. I want to be in a seminary, and I want to train pastors. And at the end of life, I want to be able to say, you know, like I've trained this many pastors and influenced this many churches, mm -hmm. and yeah. like made ta these tangible impacts, right? And you had a plan. And, you had, you had and all yeah, set there's this out. plan yeah. set out. And I think the way that I would answer that today, after what we've gone through, is, um, you know, I'd be happy if at the end of life I didn't blow up a church. And I didn't blow okay. up my family, <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm still believing in Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I, that, 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 if that was the end of my life, I'd be thankful. Wow. But to add to that, I think I would love to be able to say, you know, wherever God did place us, we were faithful. We just tried to mm. serve people and yeah. love people and be a good testimony. Um, we, we, we didn't lie about who we were. We're broken people in need of Jesus, and mm. we didn't try to mask up and cover up, and, and we didn't try to withhold either yeah. the time and the resources and the energy that we're given. We're, yeah. we're here to, like, I'm here on earth so that other people can glory in Jesus mm. more because of my presence. That's Paul's mission statement that he says in Philippians 1, you know? Uh, he believes that God has allowed him to continue in life so that other people may glory in Christ Jesus because of his presence. And I think that that is our mission. Yeah. Otherwise, God would just take us to heaven, yeah. you know? So, okay. All right. so I think I, I still dream big. You know, I still, I think whatever context God will place us, I'm still going to have big dreams for. Like, hey, we should do this, and we should do that, and we should do this. But, but I know God can change that at any time. Too. Yeah. He can take those plans and just morph them. And mm. So I, I, I think I'm not so much on, like, what the particular plans are. I just, I just want to know that as I dream big still, whatever God turns that into, I, 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 want, I would love that we still were faithful, right? Yeah. Be faithful, let God take care of the results. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool, that's cool. reference to this, this hard time um, uh, with, with Timmy and, and with your family over the last few years and, and you had to relocate to Baltimore. Um, it was longer than probably you were expecting to be there uh, and you went through a lot. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about the last few years? Yeah, yeah. Um, we expected to go to Baltimore and maybe come back. And I think we were telling people like three to eleven months or something uh -huh, like that, yeah. three years to a, a year. And um, yeah, so our child at that time, this was in March 2018. Mm -hmm. We found out that our third child, who was in the womb, about 26 weeks gestational age, um, had congenital diaphragmatic hernia, so no diaphragm. Mm. And so that means then that all the stomach contents were growing up in his chest. There was nothing to keep it down. Yeah, right, right. Because yeah. it, it's like the divider right. of your, 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 your abdom between your abdominal and your chest cavity, right? Mm. So all his stomach contents and kidney and things like that, everything was growing up in his chest. And is that a rare, a rare? I think it's like one in 20,000. Oh, wow. So okay. it's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, and he had a pretty severe mm. hernia. So some, sometimes the hole is like smaller, so not as much stuff is coming up there. Yeah. And the main problem with that diagnosis is it prevents their lungs from developing. So if your lungs can't grow, you may be born, but mm. and you may suck in as and you, you may be given as much oxygen as possible. But if there's no lung tissue yeah. to receive that oxygen, then it can't sustain your body. So mm. essentially, we were given a diagnosis that our baby was not viable, and that 
there was, though, an FDA study that's possible mm -hmm. that would increase the lung capacity in the womb. It's an in utero procedure that does that, and that might give um, the baby a, you know, a better chance at viability. So we relocated and we moved to Baltimore to Johns Hopkins Hospital to try to, kind of like a Hail Mary, yeah. to, to try to, to do okay. whatever we could for our baby um, and uh, for Timmy. And it was a pretty crazy time, you know. We, he ended up being born at 36 weeks, uh, 34 weeks premature, and even then, like, you know, we wouldn't even we weren't even sure how he would live going to full term. Right, right. And so he was premature, and and there's just so many, you know, we even flying over there, and, and I mean, there's just so many trials. I think mm. um, so many little steps to take just to even get there, and will insurance cover it? And we'll do, you know, we're relocating our whole family with two other kids. Yeah, um, it was a pretty crazy time. Uh, he, he, he was born at 34 weeks. Um, he was put on life support within a day, wow. which is heart-lung bypass. Wow. And then, um, you know, they operated, so they, they moved all his stuff down into his, they gave him an artificial diaphragm, and that okay. went okay. okay. Um, took him off life support a few days after that. So, you know, like, there's all these, like, little victories mm -hmm. as, as we go through, but um, he ended up staying in the ICU 60 weeks, the first... Wow you know, year and two months of his life. And mm. so Emily and I were splitting time, uh, one of us in the hospital, the other with the So other one kids. of you would always be with him? Yeah, one of us would be in the hospital with him in the yeah. ICU, okay. he was in the pediatric ICU in Hopkins, and then um, the other would be with the kids. So we, we split our days, you know, so maybe I would go, I usually went in the morning because I'm more attuned to like the medical stuff. Mm. And so they round in the mornings and we try okay. to listen to what's going on and okay. give our input. And so, you know, I would go there in the morning at like 8, and then... What would you do while you were there? I mean, besides... Uh, so we try to help okay. do cares for Timmy and things like that. Um, at first, we didn't know anything of what they were doing. So yeah. we were just watching and right. listening and, you know, reading to him. We couldn't really... Like, we didn't hold him until months later, right? Mm -hmm. So we're just at his bedside and doing whatever we can, talking to him, rubbing his head, you yeah. know, holding his hand. Okay. Um, but he's usually sedate and out. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty... Crazy. I, I, I don't know how we survived. I think yeah. God was just really gracious. Not much sleep. Yeah. Not well. <laughs> thankfully, when he was in the ICU, we would okay. sleep. You know, because okay. he's it's one to one nursing or one to two nursing. All right. So I mean, well, really so there good was care. Always someone there that yeah. Yeah. So at 10 p.m., okay. we you know, so I I would I'd be in the hospital until maybe like two or three p.m. Emily would come into the turnaround with the kids and we'd switch. Mm -hmm. So I take the kids and then we go do other things and Emily would come up and she would be there until like 10 and then she'd come home. And then we rinse and repeat, and that was our that was our year for a year and two months, and yeah. it was it was pretty crazy. Um, and sometimes it was crazier, like you know when there's code blues and the keys coding, and yeah. we both have to go in. And mm. so we you know he went through five surgeries. Um, by the time he died, it was six major surgeries, and it was a pretty crazy time. Wow. Yeah, it was it was actually harder after he came out of the hospital. So he came out of because hospital. Because you didn't have that constant care. And yeah, so we had to provide home, all that care. Home, yeah. So we had to yeah. learn how to provide all that care. We, we took him home. We were providing 24-hour care for him. Okay. And so, you know, we had to stay up. So one of us would stay up. So, okay. you know, I would stay up till 4 a.m. And then sure. Emily would come down at 4, and then she would take that morning shift. Yeah. And then I'd try to get up at 12, and then and we're trying to homeschool our kids and take <laughs> care of Timmy. And, and his status was such that he really did need ICU-level care really? most of his life. Okay. And so it was actually harder yeah. when we came out. Okay. It was, in a sense, easier in the hospital. Um, and, but yeah, it, it, was, it was crazy. And, and I think the craziest part is that, you know, because he had a stroke early on, 
he had seizures, and so there's just, he lost his brain function. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard, I think. I think the easier time was, you know, in the hospital, you're looking forward to coming out of the hospital. You're looking forward to a period of recovery. And we knew that there was gonna be some lifelong disabilities and things like that, but, sure. but the brain infection, which basically rendered it kaput, you know, well, that was probably the most difficult part. Mm. And so we were grieving. So even while he was living, we were grieving a lot. Okay. You know, have to grieve every every the milestone he didn't function, reach, and the loss, the loss of his yeah. functions, okay. and it, it was there was a lot of grieving when he was living. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And so he ended up um, passing away in March of this year. So that was about two years and ten months. Okay. And then okay. we moved back from Baltimore to California in May. So. Wow. It was a. It was a pretty crazy three years. Yeah. 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 How how did the Lord sustain you? What were some of the ways that you saw His grace throughout those that time? Well, we're uh, we're alive. We're here. <laughs> uh, we're still believing in Jesus, and that's a miracle in itself, right? Just how God sustained us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think He He sustained us in so many different ways. I don't even know how to enumerate. I think. Um, I mean, there's just the physical ways that he sustained us, the material ways that he provided for us each step of the way, um, from you know material things to like the place to live mm. and provision for this and that, and uh, to social and spiritual ways that the yeah. community he provided for us. At the the local ch- church. What's the name of the church out there? Jesus, our Redeemer Church. Okay, all right, Pastor yeah. Brad. Yeah, Brad actually contacted me before we even moved out there because wow. he heard from okay. a mutual friend that we were coming. He said, hey, when you guys land, I can pick you up from the airport. Oh, man, and that's great. I can ser- so w- right when we landed, the church put us on a meal train for And they didn't even months. know you. They didn't know us. Yeah. And it wasn't like a strings attached, like, hey, come to our church. No, it, was just, <laughs> it just put us, put us on a wow. meal train. So wow. people from the church were dropping food off to us because Emily was in and out of the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, because um, we had in-utero surgery and she was constantly monitored. And it was... Yeah, I, I don't, you know, that time of caring for Timmy and w- what we all went through, it was such a different, like even as Emily and I look back now, mm-hmm. like it feels like decades ago in terms of like the emotional space that we were in, it feels like another world. Sure. You know, as we look back on it now. And and I, in some ways, I don't know how we survived. <laughs> I think God was just, God was just good to us. Yeah. And, um, as an example, on the physical level, you know, I, I, I can be pretty sickly, right? So after my seminary day, after my MDiv days where I killed my body, yeah. like my body just couldn't take lack of sleep anymore. Right. So I would go a few days and five hours of sleep and I would start, like you could see. You, know, I could, you get I, physically I, sick. Yes, I, yeah. I can get physically sick and I was so tired, I couldn't function. But I mean, we operated on very minimal sleep for, for a good amount of time. And he sustained us. Wow. It's kind of like the Israelites whose sandals don't wear out, <laughs> their, their clothes yeah. don't wear out. That's great. And, and we got sick very little. God would sustain us. I mean, we would come home from the, from, from the ICU after a few weeks at the hospital. And then, you know, like, and sometimes we'd have to turn around in two days and go back home, mm. go, go bring them right back. Yeah, yeah. And, but we weren't sleeping in those two days. Sure. Right? And then we bring them back and, obvi- you know, it, it's never the best of times. So it's like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. when we have to call the ambulance and then we got to go into the ER again. And I haven't slept for two days, and then I go in, and then I'm staying with him, and then this is like during COVID times, yeah. where I have to stay with him when I'm stuck in the room, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's another 24 hours. And God sustained us, didn't wow. get sick. Wow. But then after Timmy died, um, I went a few nights without any sleep, and I got sick pretty quickly, and I realized, <laughs> oh, I guess that dispensation of grace is over. <laughs> I actually need to take care of my that's body right. now. Yeah. 
Um, but just shows that God, God really did. I mean, in supernatural wow. ways. That's great. Gave us a lot of hope. Mm. And, um, mm-hmm. and yet my dissertation was actually one way that he, you know, fixing yeah. my eyes on Jesus. Okay. Whatever's happening with our son, you know. Because you had already started thinking about it, researching it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and during that time, I was actually heavily studying, like, Exodus 34. Okay. About God's revelation to Moses and mm. how he's gracious and compassionate. Yeah. You know, the Israelites, they, they basically committed adultery on their wedding night with God, right? Yeah. Like God said, hey, I brought you out of Egypt. You the come to me. And, and then they made a golden calf. Yeah. Like that, you know, so, so God actually forgave them wow. for that. And that's wow. who God is. And so it just reminded me that this is who God is. God is gracious. Mm. He's compassionate. Mm. He sent Jesus. So whenever I was tempted to, you know, define my reality by what was going on with my son, I was like, no, I need to focus on his son mm. and what he did with his son. That's what defines who God is. That's good. And That's I think good. that was such an anchoring kind of, you know, I guess to, to use mixed metaphors, that was, that was anchor, and that was a ballast, yeah. you know, for us as we navigated our ways through the waters. And wow. um, yeah, God would remind us time and time again. And, and a lot of it was through the local church. Mm. Through being in small groups, I think the guys, the men that I was with, it's not like they'd said anything profound, but just yeah. regularly meeting with men, sharing mm. about struggles and need for prayer, like, that was life-giving, yeah, you know, and being great. part of the local church, I think, wow. I don't think, I think our response to our trials would be very different without yeah. the involvement yeah. of others in our lives just to help us through, oh, wow. you know. Yeah, you, you gave the message at, at Timmy's memorial service, mm-hmm. and I mean, one of the most gospel-centered messages I've ever heard. Uh, but a lot of people were wondering how was a father who saw his son go through these things able to even stand up there and not break down and, and, and be able to say these truths about God. Um, what, what gave you that strength? Um, how did all that you went through with Timmy help you to be able to do what God called you to do on that day? I, I mean, I think, yeah, the first thing I would say is any, I mean, if anyone has seen any strength, it's not us. Mm. You know, we don't, I mean, Emily and I, if, if there's been joy, and there has been a lot of joy, there's been a lot of hope, um, it's not us, right? It's, it's God working in us. It's God, God's grace and miracle in our lives. Um, and so, yeah, it's purely God's grace. I think God's spirit is working in us. And, 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 I, and I see that working in tandem with what all these other people have poured into our lives over the years, mm. from being in Awana and people having us memorize verses, to being in youth group, yeah. to from people speaking to us God's word and other examples that we've seen and sermons that we've heard. I mean, all this investment from other people over the years of pouring God's word into our hearts. Mm. And then yes, seminary, and I'm, you know, all that helps too, but, but all of that I think is coming you know, God is using all of that through His Spirit to remind us of this is who I am. Yeah. What God says in His Word, that's who He is. Mm. Not this terrible situation. That doesn't need to... I need to interpret my situation through God's Word, not interpret God's Word through my situation. And, and so I think God just reminded us time and time again by His Spirit, that's how we need to look at things and that's how we can have hope still. That's good. So I, I, I re- again, the, it sounds so trite, but it's so true. The Gospel is... The answer, because if if the most terrible event in the history of the world, the crucifixion of the Son of God, can be something that is good, mm. and we celebrate it on Friday, good call it Good Friday, and yeah. then then yes, I think it's possible that my son's death could be good. Mm. I, I may not like it. I may not have, you know, 
I mean, I, 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 I give thanks for what I learned through the process, but yeah. it, it's hard for me to say I give thanks for what happened sure. to his son, right? Sure. I mean, he suffered so much. So it's, but if God can use the cross mm -hmm. to bring about life, then yes, yes, he can, he can do good things through terrible things. Yeah, we, our think, suffering can be used for his glory. And I think we see that in the yeah. Bible. That's good. And, and so I think that is something that gave me a lot of hope and anchored me. And, and so much of the Bible, you realize, is about people who suffer. Mm. I think prior to this time, I would read about, you know, many are the, you know, Psalm 34 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Yeah. And I think I would focus so much on the, the Lord part. delivers him out of them all. And so yeah. this, this is what's in store for believers, yeah. deliverance, right? Mm. But then you realize, what? It says many are the afflictions of the righteous. <laughs> I mean, do we, do we ever think about that for a right, moment? Right, yeah. That means the follower of God has many afflictions. Mm -hmm. and, and you start reading the Bible and you realize how many years people wait on the Lord, how much suffering they go through, yeah. how much doubt they could have had. And, and then you realize, oh, my story is not all that. It's a different lens different. by which you're reading the scriptures. Yeah, and it makes yeah. me realize the scriptures talk about my situation. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't just promise deliverance. Yeah. The, 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 the tenor of the Psalms is hope in God, wait in God. Well, why do you need to wait in Him, wait on Him? Yeah. It's because there's something happening right. that, you need to, that you don't see a resolution to. So, so much of the Christian life, I think, is waiting mm. and hoping and longing. And, um, and I, think, I think God has allowed us to be a lot more sympathetic. D to, during, your, to during your time or even after, ha have you been able to minister to other parents who have lost children? Yeah, in various ways. I mean, there's, there's a whole community of people who have children mm -hmm. who are chronically hospitalized mm -hmm. or who you know, have different various issues. And I think we, didn't, we weren't very aware of them before. Yeah. And Emily and I were wondering, because we were on these Facebook groups, yeah. you know, where it's terrible. The things that, that the kids are suffering and the things that the parents are needing to go through. And, and Emily and I were wondering, how come we've never met these people before? Yeah. And then we realized, well, it's because... You weren't there. You weren't in the, in the same arena. <laughs> well, and, and we realized, well, they, if, if they're like us, yeah. they can't go to church. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we didn't regularly go to church for the past three years. Mm. We went when we could. Yeah. So, and I was the pastor you know, <laughs> at one point. But even then, every time, I mean, my Brad knew, the yeah. senior pastor I worked with, I mean, if I'm preaching, I mean, he knows I could not preach that week, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't know. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't schedule. We couldn't plan. Yeah. So we realized there's, there's a whole subculture of, like, people in this medical system always in and out of the hospital. And we would mm -hmm. see these parents yeah. um, in and out. And we'd be like, oh, you're here again, mm -hmm. you know? So, yes, we were able to really talk through with a lot of other parents going through similar things. And yeah, a lot of parents lose their children. Yeah. Um, a lot of parents are still in the thick of things. And, and it's given us a big heart for caregivers too. Mm -hmm. They're in mm -hmm. the same kind of, um, the same kind of situation. Yeah, you know, it's like, a long-term struggle. Yeah, like Joe yeah. caring for Sharon, you know? And, and, and it is hard because when you're in the middle of it, you're thinking, God, is this ever gonna end? Yeah. And do I have the strength to continue one more day? It's, so yeah, I think God has given us a lot of opportunities to be able to yeah. to talk, and, and, and I, th I don't think I would have understood it yeah. if we didn't go through what we went through. Yeah, that's, that, that's incredible. Um, you know, a lot of people have questions about heaven. Um, 
what do you think Timmy is doing right now <laughs> as, as we're speaking? <laughs> well, I do think Timmy is in heaven. I, I think, yeah, if, if anyone has questions, they can ask me. I, I think a great case can be made from the Bible for infant salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do think he's in heaven with the Lord, but I, you know, he doesn't have his resurrected body yet. Okay. So, um, I mean, I trust... Someone's you know, like the, taking care of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's with the Lord, though. Yeah. And, and Paul says that is far better. And, you know, in Revelation, the pictures we have of heaven at the time are, are saints around the throne praising God. Yeah. And awaiting the resurrection, right? Mm. But praising God. And I, yeah. I trust that Timmy is praising the Lord right now. Um, and I trust that when, when we have all our renewed bodies, he's not going to be a baby yeah. with, you okay. know, with all these issues. He's going to be, I don't know, I don't know if I can recognize him. He's going to be like, yeah. I don't know, are we going to be, are we going to be resurrected <laughs> in our 30-year-old bodies? In our 40-year-old bodies? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever's the peak of... Yeah, I guess, I guess so. <laughs> right. um, if, if, I, if, if we can make that guess, then maybe I'll see a 30-year-old, you know, Timmy there. And what he would have been if he grew up yeah. to be that age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and what uh, do you hope to do with him in glory? I don't know. Play some basketball? <laughs> um, can we miss if we're in heaven and playing? I don't know. I don't I've, know. I've, I've, lots of questions about <laughs> heaven. Um, but yes, I, I would... I think it would be amazing to see him and to, to talk to him and wow. to even know, right, what he did understand at that time, mm. you know, through his time. And yeah. Yeah, that'll, that, that's the amazing hope that I think a lot of parents have. Um, I think our children will be in heaven yeah. you know, for those that's who good. did not get the chance to believe. Yeah. And that's God's grace to them, too. They were saved, actually, from a lot of the troubles in life, too, you know, yeah. and yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm grateful. Your, your story reminds us who are ministering to other people in the church that the ministry we do today, we don't know how it's gonna affect people decades Mm -hmm, down the mm -hmm, line. Yes. And uh, so all the people that poured into you and then now all the people that you're pouring into, it's a a process. It's it's being able to continue that that, that process of passing on uh, these gospel truths. Yeah, and I think that it, it may, you know, even looking back, like there's some conversations that we've had in passing mm-hmm. in the hospital, mm-hmm. and later on we find out from the nurse or the, like that that it meant a lot, yeah. right? And so, you're, I think you're absolutely right. I, a lot of people reached out to us because they really wanted to help us in some way, mm. but these are the same people who have already served us when we were kids, when we were growing up. I mean, they they have helped. I think in ways that they just don't understand. Yeah. And I think you're, what you're saying is exactly right. It's just. It's just, yeah, I think God's grace just works in so many multifaceted ways. Mm-hmm. You know, if we think about how we've been sustained, it's just help comes from so many different places, yeah. all from the Lord, but yeah, it's, right. he's been very good. Well, yeah. good, good. Well, it's always encouraging to talk to you, Johnson, and we're going to keep praying for you as you work on your dissertation, and hopefully some of us will read it when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm doubtful. Um, I promise you I will read it when it's done. Um, but uh, thank you for sharing your story with us. And I'm, I'm praying that not just, not just the story of what's happened with Timmy, but also your, your ministry to people even now is going to have huge ramifications for the future. So uh, I'm praying for that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Every People's Podcast. To find more information about stories, visit tomsugi.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, feel free to subscribe or leave us a review. A special thank you to Lowell Sue for technical and audio support and our host, 
Tom Sugimura for preparing this interview. My name is John Park, your producer, and I hope to see you again next Monday. Until then.